Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Portugal. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. And each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites, and at our live event, we crown the winner of the second Cherry Song Contest. Hello, Monty. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm doing really good. Personally, I've had a bloody good week. How about you? I've had a pretty good week as well, actually. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Some things we can talk about, some things we can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> some things we've already talked about <laughs> are not going to be discussed any further. Absolutely. <laughs> but... Let's jump straight in because we uh, don't have much time because we ask people to message in and they have. And so we've got a bulging mail sack. Are you going to empty it for me? Let's empty our sack. I've seen them empty your sack before. It's an impressive size. <laughs> okay, so let's move swiftly on from that. And our first missive is from Katie in... North Carolina, USA. Thank you, please. Yay. So, Katie, you say, well, you know this because you wrote it. Hello, y'all. Dropping. Howdy. Howdy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do an accent. Dropping you a line from the US as requested. And with a moment from today's episode that made me do a double take. At the end of the discussion of the American Song Contest, open brackets, upon which I'm withholding judgment just yet, close bracket, I would have sworn that Monty said, you whore. It was only when he repeated it that I realised he actually said, yee-haw. Another instance of the common language that divides us. Thanks for the podcast. I always enjoy going back through the national finals to see what y'all pick. I look forward to Horizon coming dead last. Katie. Oh. Katie. She's got opinions, hasn't she? Katie. <laughs> I can't believe you just spoke the truth. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Uh, uh, horizon is our Ukrainian cherry. We have to treat it fairly. Okay. Could uh, just say that uh, that's exactly what I did say, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that the first time round, and then I Americanized it. <laughs> yeah. That's humour. <laughs> <laughs> but probably Gage should have seen your face. She was with us in the room, she would have got it, maybe. I don't know. I barely got it and I was right next to him, Katie, so do you know? <laughs> chin chin. <laughs> Second letter that we have this week is all the way from Sweden. And uh, it's from a Brit living in Sweden. It's from Ben. <laughs> Hi, boys. Great choice this week for Sweden. I would have loved Anna to have got the ticket to Rotterdam to right all the wrongs of 2010. It would have been such a story and Kingdom Come was strong enough to qualify and lift Anna to redemption 10 years on. I agree. I agree with that, Ben. He goes on to say, surprised you all mentioned the format was the same, though. Are you forgetting the nostalgia of the Hall of Fame? And I thought you were particularly taken by a cherry or two. Great job and looking forward to seeing you both in Stockholm and due course. Well, we are looking forward to seeing you soon as well, Ben. Mm. And you're absolutely right. I 
forgot to mention the Hall of Fame in the Swedish Andra Shansson round this time. We, yeah, we did. The format was the same in terms of the competition, mm-hmm. but you're right. You were wetting yourself I in that Swedish challenge. You weren't you? I absolutely loved it. The Hall of Fame was like it was a rerun through some of the the Eurovision highlights or the Melfest highlights, not necessarily the songs that won, and. The reason I forgot to mention it is because I actually forgot to take my iPad to Matt's, which had my notes on that week. So I was kind of doing the episode a little bit on the hoof and uh, we forgot to include it. But you're absolutely right. It was an absolute joy. There were some real moments in there. Uh, Lil Linfush, who was the presenter in 1985, who we've just seen on Eurovision again, the one where she, the moment where she accidentally loses her skirt, yeah. and then has a ready a costume ready to reveal again. One of my the the abiding Eurovision memories for me, iconic as well. The people who who might not follow Eurovision that strictly mm-hmm. do. If you tell them about that moment, a lot of people do know that. Absolutely. Yeah. But Lillian Fush was the Swedish contestant in 1966 um, and she sang a duet. And in this Hall of Fame, she reprised that duet with Mont Selmelo, a song called New Gamma Vals, New and Old Waltz. And it's kind of got that 60s, it's kind of a blend of folk and 60s swing, you know, hip combo that kind of thing mm. that was going on then. <laughs> and it's just brilliant. I mean, the, it's, the lyrics are sort of rooted in a Swedish folk song. And it's, um, it was kind of a little pastiche of it. And you've got the, um, the princess and the swineherd <laughs> singing together. And it was just an absolute joy to see her perform. But also, there was Anne Christine Bernstein, who was in Melody Festival in 1975 with a song called Skål vi plocka kjøs bär min trädgård, which means, shall we pick cherries in my garden? Which, of course, is very dear to us here, the second <laughs> cherry. Um, but it's a song which is full of innuendo um, uh, about, uh, would you be like the, would you like to be the first one to pluck cherries in my garden? You can take whatever you want. Uh, and apparently, as a young girl, she said, oh, I didn't know what I was singing. But I think she was, must have been in on the act a little bit uh, to, I think so, to get yeah. away with that. It's absolutely brilliant. There were some absolute joys in that whole show. Uh, so, yes, thank you, Ben, for reminding us of that and allowing us to talk about it. Because I, you're absolutely right. I had completely forgotten to include it in the episode. So the third letter we've had, slash email, is from Evan Stewart. Greetings... From New York. Two letters from America. I love it. Fabulous. Thank you both. I discovered your podcast right before last season's finale. Binged the entire season in a single weekend. Wow. I like to binge over a whole weekend. (laughs) Boyfriends have not stood me for a whole weekend. So I don't know how you've managed to hear my voice over a whole weekend. But good for you. Um, And have eagerly been awaiting each new episode ever since. Yeah. You two have great on-air chemistry. Maybe it's the booze. I mean, that quick, let's chinch into that. Uh, a firm grasp of Eurovision history. And that zest of light snark and slight thirstiness that makes the podcast such a delight. Light snark and slight thirstiness. That's fabulous. I want that on my tombstone. Well, that's going on a t-shirt. So, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> We're we're stealing that. Your Irish listener a few weeks back stole my joke. But thank you for becoming a good thing of the week that is good to so many of your listeners. Oh, that's sweet. 
So you asked some Americans to write in with their thoughts on the American Song Contest. I'm very much in wait and see mode with the idea. The setup, a panel of experts choosing the songs for each state and head to head matchups, raises some questions. But the gnashing of teeth online that Americans will ruin Eurovision seems unjustified to me. The producers aren't even American. 80% of the team is European, if I read the news articles correctly. And to boot, the, the Eurovision producers um, who are dedicated to the reputation of that contest. From the press releases, the American Song Contest sounds like a completely different beast altogether. And under the producers' capable hands, it should at least honour the spirit of the contest that inspired it. Absolutely. So I'm willing to see where it leads, regardless of whether it ends up being another joyful edition of the Eurovision calendar, a total flop, or the next Eurovision Asia, open brackets, where'd you go, sis, close brackets. If it can bring something to a new part of the world that has brought the joy to so many Eurofans, it seems like a worthy endeavour. Keep up the good work, Evan. Oh, thank you. Do you know, I mean, I, I think we can't dwell too much on American song contests because we have spoken so much about it. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, people say as well, oh, junior Eurovision has ruined the reputation of, of adult Eurovision. Adult Eurovision is as strong as ever. <laughs> and junior's been going for almost 20 years now. It really hasn't damaged the reputation of the other. And there's no reason to think that the American Song Contest will damage the reputation of Eurovision. And junior Eurovision is getting popular and popular as well. So actually... It's just all getting better. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Good point, though, Evan, Thank on you. Eurovision Asia. Where did that go indeed? The Chinese um, fucked it up, that's what I reckon. Ooh, controversial. Yeah, <laughs> There's, um, yeah, I mean, we don't know what happened to that, but there's been several incarnations of that announced, so let's see what happens. We may not ever get to the American version. <laughs> <laughs> the final missive that we have to read out today is from Rob Wells. Hello, Rob. Dear Matt and Monty, hello. Hello, <laughs> Rob. First, no, long-time listener, first-time caller, etc., etc. I've just finished listening to the Norwegian episode. Loved it just as much as I always do. You bring a smile to my day every time with your witty banter and innuendos. Both deliberate and accidental. Innuendo? I'm very tiny. <laughs> do you think we are? Schmutzig, says Rob. Hmm, yeah, well, you're a bit potty mouthed yourself sometimes, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> I do have a bone to pick with you, though. How could you dedicate almost 20 minutes to that dreadful I am gay, oh no, you're not, panto-esque song, yet barely give a mention to Deirdrick and Emmy Stolly Tangen's masterpiece, Out of Air. It is not just the best song from Norway this season, but in my humble opinion, the best song of the entire national selection process and should have been crowned overall cherry of the year. That's my opinion and I stand by it. I'm still singing along with Deirdrick and Emil in my shower every morning. Well, that is your opinion, Rob, <laughs> and you're very welcome to it. But I'm sorry, for me, Deirdrick and Emil, silly twat faces, it just wasn't up to it. <laughs> <laughs> And Rob goes on to say, and while I'm here, that Ukrainian song, what were you thinking? Well, it's what the team was thinking. And that's our cherry. I mean, really. <laughs> but anyway, what I want to know is, was David Axelrod named after Barack Obama's chief strategist? And if so, the mind boggles. And a link to a, the Wikipedia page for um, uh, 
David Axenrod, brackets, political consultant. I don't know if he's named after him. I haven't been able to find anything much about the um, Ukrainian David Axelrod. Uh, there is another David Axelrod musician, but he died three years ago, so I don't think they're the same one. I mean, there's a lot of hot air on stage, so maybe, you know, politicians hot air. I don't know. Oh, I can see a link. Yes. I don't know about that, Rob, um, but thank you for writing in. Keep up the good work, he says, and show us your cherries. Well, have you not seen them already? <laughs> <laughs> He's seen us at the end of the Eurofest club night, uh, like just crawling on the floor. So, <laughs> keep up the good work. Show us your cherries. Lots of COVID safe hugs and kisses, Rob. Thank you, Rob, for writing in, and actually, thank you all of the people who've taken the time to write in, and everyone who tweets us and you know responds on social media. We'll give you that at the end of the show. But now it's time to dive in to Portugal. So the Portuguese national final, Festival de Canzal, was held on the 7th of March, which, by the way, was the Super Saturday of national final season. We've not really mentioned that on the podcast before, but this is, I think it was uh, Super Saturday because you had Finland, Sweden, Denmark and Portuguese national finals all on that Saturday night. It was pretty much the big one of the season. So, Monty, tell us a bit about the contest, like... Tell us a bit about the festival. So Portugal for me is one of, um, unfortunately, Europe's less well-performing nations. But there's a real place in people's hearts for Portugal, I think. We have willed Portugal to win for such a long time. They've had some great entries. There's something so Portuguese about them. And there's something quite endearing about them ploughing their own furrow regardless of what's going on. The very first time I went to Lisbon, which must be about 12 or 13 years ago now, I think I'd been there for about 24 hours before I completely understood why they did really bad at Eurovision. Because (laughs) there's something about it which just sets it apart from the rest of Europe, I think. It's right on the edge, and it feels a little bit like Europe's Western outlier. But there's something so endearing about the Portuguese spirit and the Portuguese people that you can't help but want them to do well. Um, I've been to the Festival de Cancao twice. I went in 2010 and I went in 2011, which is when Salvador Sobral won and went on to win Eurovision. And I actually remember we were walking across the Plaza de Comercia, which became the Eurovision village, and it was glorious early spring it was so sunny in early March and we were just looking around going can you imagine Eurovision being here and we're like yeah but it's never going to happen and then two months later they bloody won Mm. so we were heading to Lisbon the following year Lisbon was an amazing experience I know for some fans it wasn't necessarily the best show of the city because it was just deluged. There were so many people ended up there and it was it, the infrastructure couldn't really cope with it, which was a little bit of a shame. You did long queues in the, uh, for the drinks, long queues for the toilets in the Eurovision Village uh, and in the arena. The bars and clubs are all quite small there. So, you know, they were absolutely packed to the rafters. And unless you really love that kind of, you know, being jammed in, mm. you know, nose to nipple with somebody's armpit, it wouldn't have been a pleasant experience. But it was quite disjointed, I felt. I went with my ex-boyfriend and we weren't accredited. So it felt like I was 
a fan going just to enjoy it and I felt very distant from those that were accredited and it was very disjointed you had to be yeah. and I didn't like that because that's not always the case at other no sometimes everyone's all in together and this yeah. time you have people at different venues and actually just so many people there yeah. just enjoying the city mm. as well and all of the uh, the nightlife it has to offer I when I went in 2007 I saw one of the ultimate Eurovision performers from Portugal, Simone de Oliveira, who is just, you know, the goddess of song. And we walked into the venue and just walked into the VIP bar. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. (laughs) And the first person I saw was Simone de Oliveira, who smiled very gallantly at me, you know, very nobly. And it was just, oh, it was lovely. And then... Just, I mean, they have wonderful, wonderful moments. If you go back and have a look, if you don't know the back catalogue of Portugal, it is an acquired taste, but there are some absolutely sensational songs there where they've just really retained their Portuguese flavour. I think more than any other country has has managed to do at Eurovision to retain that national flavour. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, you know anyway, because you hear the language, but just by the the musicality what you're listening to you know ah they just do not care they will send what they're going to send and it's normally very Portuguese absolutely and that Portuguese doesn't always translate into success but my god I'm so glad they do what they do so this year 16 songs participated 14 were written by composers who had been invited by the broadcaster. One came from uh, the radio and one was from an open submission of songs in which 320 songs were submitted. That's quite a narrow chance of getting through if you're not one of the invited composers. Mm. One in 320. In fact, the two non-invited composers ended up at 6th and 8th in their semi-final, so didn't progress to the final. So maybe that says something about you you need to be in with the RTP broadcaster crowd to get nominated. I don't know. Maybe it's to do with the fact that these are current artists singing current songs as well. So maybe there's something in that. Yes, they have the links with the, maybe the record companies over there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like this was the most modern of all national finals in terms of it represented the music scene of that country more. I think I think you I would agree there's something about this there's a bravado to Portugal since they won there's you know even if they're not getting the results and they haven't since they won they were dead last in the final the year they hosted and they didn't qualify last year with um Konana series with their tenable base FYI love that absolutely but my god there's such a boldness to what they're going to put forward. Mm. They're really, really just going all out for really contemporary stuff and really out there stuff, really bringing something very unique to the to the mix. And I absolutely applaud them for that. So we had two semi-finals, each with eight songs in, and four songs progressed from each to the final. In the final, there was a 50-50 jury and televote uh, waiting, but the jury was made up of seven regional juries which was a trim down from 24 in 2010 when i went we had to sit through the whole bloody lot then that got converted into a 12 10 etc score added together and uh, we got our winner the overall winner was elisa with medo de sentir which got 10 in the jury and 10 in the televote so combined it got an unassailable 20 points 
But it's interesting because it was actually everybody's second choice. Mm. And that's the tricky thing about this format, really. Sometimes, you you know, the way that the, the points add up, actually you get a sort of a second best song. Let's have a listen to it. Eu não era assim, mas agora tenho medo de sentir. ao tempo, ele sabe tudo sobre mim. ao tempo, ele sabe tudo sobre mim. O que ele guarda diz tudo o que eu sinto por ti. So Matt, that was the winner. Did the right song win? Um, no, I don't think it did. Not that I'm unhappy with that winning. It did surprise me. In fact, it did surprise us because we watched this. This was, we watched Melfest and then we watched this after, I think, if I remember rightly. And when the jury votes were coming in, one song seemed to be stretching their head. That wasn't this winning song. And then the televote came in and it all changed. And it was a bit, we were a bit confused for a moment. Like, wait, wait, what's one? Mm-hmm. What, has this one? No, because this was winning. No, it's not. So we were a bit confused. I don't know. I There's a couple of songs which I would have had ahead of this. In fact, quite a few ahead of this. In terms of Eurovision, how it might have done, I yeah, haven't got much hope for it, to be honest, at Eurovision. This was another typical Portuguese year, unfortunately. I don't know if any other song in this national selection would have done any better, though, necessarily. So, well, we'll find out. I mean, I agree with you. I think they dodged a bit of a bullet by not getting this song ranked by the audience and the juries. It's it's a very nice song. It's a very pleasant song, but it's not a competitive song by any stretch. Um, And so, whilst it's nice to listen to. I don't think it was the right song to go up in battle against other songs. Yeah, it's way too too sweet and mm-hmm. too light, yeah. But given that we don't think that's the right song that should have won, let's have a listen to some of the songs that we think maybe should have. So our first song tonight is called Passepartout by Barbara Tanoka. Now, I quite like this, I have to say. Barbara came from The Voice, if I remember rightly. Do write in and tell me I'm wrong, but I think she, I don't know how she did, but she came from The Voice in Portugal. She's a bit of a household name. I think people know her across Portugal. The song speaks about breaking up with a guy um, who she's tried to get, I don't know, tried to inject a bit of culture into this guy's life. Okay, read the lyrics. It's, it's really quite quirky. It's lovely. But it's, it, she's clearly talking about, we're going to break up. 
And the reason why we're breaking up is because of you, not me. When people ask about us, it's you, not me. And she's sort of telling about get up from the TV. She's trying to, and she's, she talks about introducing them to cultural figures like of the arts. So, you know, you tried to, we tried to get you to read Duchamp. I tried to get you to read Oscar Wilde. And we tried to dance to Django Reinhardt. And then she's trying to like get this guy to get off the bloody sofa and kind of do something with her and kind of live life um and i love that and it kind of this whole it works because this song kind of harps back to yesteryear the sound um is sort of very um nostalgic and traditional it's fun and cutesy but she's kind of quite strong-willed you know she's telling this guy the presentation and sort of the dancers on stage it felt like a bit of like a portuguese modern film musical a bit like La La Land very La La Land Monty's pointing at me I bet he's got the same note and yeah just this merging of tradition and contemporary I kind of really like this what about you? La La Land is the film I was trying to think of because I've not actually seen it but it was I knew that was the style that I was thinking of if for me I it, it was evocative of films like Amelie um, mm. And it had a very French feel. I mean, obviously, it's got a French title, but the, the lyrics in Portuguese. It's really, I think it's really interesting because the presentation is quite whimsical. Uh, there is a literal throwing out of the guy by some dancers who come on stage and <laughs> chuck him off the park bench he's sat playing his guitar on and banish him off the side of the stage, and then they do the routine. And it's contrasted with the lyrics, which. A little bit barbed, actually. She's, you know, she's she's taking no prisoners. She's a modern woman singing this slightly retro song. And one of the lines in the song, which got me, was like, she says, if anyone asks why I've disappeared, tell them, well, I'm no longer abnormal and I've left you. <laughs> <laughs> which I just thought was really sweet. I have to say, I have to give this song um, credit. I have to represent it. Probably because this was Jody in the team's favourite song. And he absolutely loved this song. I have to say, it's not really my style. It was a little too whimsical for me. And it just was... I don't know. There was It was a little bit too light in the presentation. Which is interesting now I've looked at the words. I get a slightly different feel to it. But I still think is a non-native speaker and I do speak a bit of Portuguese but not good enough to get all of the the nuance of these lyrics it just the the whimsy is the thing that's that carried over most for me but there was a strong backing for this song within the second Jody team yeah I remember Jody being very for this and I was I can't remember now I think it was sort of second or third for me I, I was really into this as well so this this had a this had a bit of a vote behind mm-hmm. it for sure. So the second song we're going to talk about is Rebellion by Blasted Mechanism. Monty, this came equal fourth in the semi-final one. It lost on jury points. What are your thoughts? Well, 
I didn't know anything about this group, but of course somebody in the Eurovision circle did, and it's somebody we reference quite often on the podcast, and it's Roy Delaney. And this is the kind of thing that I think is quite a Roy's street as a band. They're an electro-rock band. Um, their Wikipedia entry tells me that they're known for highly theatrical stage shows uh, with elaborate alien-themed costumes. Um, unfortunately, that's not what we got here. I saw a little bit of the hype about this when they were announced, and I thought this had the potential to be something really special on stage um the song itself it kind of it's an interesting structure it starts a little bit slower there's a sound which has been made by a guitar like instrument it's kind of something electronic with several necks on the so it's not just a traditional guitar it's got different necks to produce different kinds of sound and it, it, had i not seen the instrument i would have thought it was a harpsichord synth sound mm. that was coming through um and it kind of punctuates the sound in the start but then you get this almost classical sound coming into it before it goes into a much grungier chorus and the, the, the rebellion lyrics come in. The Having read the description of their elaborate stage shows, it was a bit disappointing with what was delivered. It felt really tame. And I, I just felt it might have been a little bit more OTT. I was wondering if they were the kind of band, given their reputation that were inspired to take part because of Hattery and, you know, the the very different to typical, stereotypical Eurovision sound that they brought. Yeah, Hattery being the Icelandic band from 2019 who were heavy. Yeah. 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 And I wondered, if, you know, has that opened the door to more of those kind of... And I want to say alternative acts, but I mean, that just seems to do with this disservice because yeah. you know it's just it's a not a not a mainstream act but i just couldn't help thinking what have we m- missed out on would had they got to the final would they have brought more of a stage show i don't know had they been selected as they were tipped to do yeah and got to eurovision could they have brought something of a of a, an amazing stage show there for me this feels a little bit about what could have been rather than what we got I agree. I think there are staging issues here because it sounds better on the recording, as as everyone does, but but it it does have more to it on the recording than the live performance. And it is a song that needs to be really performed. You know, you need to bring everybody up to 100% with you, right? They don't do that at all. It was somewhat of a shock non-qualifier because it was, it did get a lot of traction before uh, the festival started. I think the issue is... The, there's no connection. The song starts, they've got their hoods up and glasses on. I fucking hate people that wear glasses, it, sunglasses. I know it looks cool, guys, whatever. But you're on stage, you're performing. Unless there's a very specific reason, get rid of the fucking glasses. Like, you, sorry, you know, I, I go back, anyone that's seen Sister Act 2, Whoopi Goldberg, there is no sunshine in here. Please take, I want to look into your eyes. Please take off your glasses. Thank you. And it's exactly that for me. I'm just like, there's no connection. I think as well, the mix for TV or stage, I don't know how, how it quite worked. My knowledge of production isn't great, but the mix didn't sound right. I felt like the vocal was quite high. And so the, it drowned out the music a bit more when I think the music needed to carry the song 
because he's going to be shouting rebellion and stuff. So the, I think the vocal mix was a bit wrong. English language as well might have hurt its chances. This is a very Portuguese national final. We spoke about how Portuguese it can be and how loved. Because it is a bit San Remo in the sense that it is a, uh, a celebration of Portuguese stuff, everything, culture, arts. And so those English lyrics maybe hurt it a little bit. And those lyrics itself, whatever language, were just dis- disjointed. I couldn't work out what was actually being said. It was a bit too metaphorical, and I wondered whether was it just words put together for the sake of it? I don't know. So I can see this was definitely a missed opportunity for these guys. It's got your dander up, hasn't it? No, I'm all right. I'm just like, mm, I quite like that. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, actually, that's bland as fuck yeah I actually do quite like the song but it was let down by the performance and maybe our expectation of the performance mm. so song three is called Jiber Amaral of Sul and it's by Felipe Sambado <laughs> Eu mesmo a ser de qualquer laia E só com roupa de ir para a praia Fazem de mim pitaia Para chegar ao consumo Now, so this was the song that we referenced before. It came third overall, but it stormed the jury vote. And the way the votes were delivered was the jury came first. So you saw this song which was pretty much at the top of the table so it was quite surprising when this song didn't win and then came third not even second but i quite like this i like his sort of stony cold stare he's got a very particular look like zero fucks given look um i wouldn't say that this is sort of Fado music, traditional, but it's maybe some Portuguese traditional music that I, I, I'm unaware of, but it had that kind of lament and painful sort of expression that Portuguese music mm. can have. And I've really connected. I mean, the guy is stone, you know, when I talk about connection, you don't need to like be smiling, draw me in and looking at me. You know, this guy is just so engaging i was like what are you going to sing about what are you doing on stage you can't take your eyes off him no. from the moment he comes on screen and i absolutely love that about it because uh, just to describe a little bit of what is going on if you haven't seen it and you really must see this he's in what looks like an enormous black dress with a sort of lace headpiece on like a crown Almost like a Queen of Narnia type look. Exactly like that. And he's got these sort of long pearl drop earrings with makeup and it's sort of a wax teardrop stain Mm. dropping down his face. And it's really quite arresting. The the, the backing singers are in the long floor-length black with wide-brimmed hats with veils coming over them. And there's something there which is really blending the old and the modern of Portugal. There's such a... It's got such a Portuguese feel to it, and yet it's a really, really contemporary take on it as well. There's the moment of the song as well, (laughs) where he stands up and you realise the dress is not a dress, it's just kind of... Or it's a dress that, you know, comes away. And 
he's standing in black PVC shorts. Like gym shorts? Like gym shorts, but like, you know, kinky gym shorts. Um, and what was the top half of the dress is actually like a bodice jacket. Yeah. Um, it's the most bizarre look. But again, you kind of can't take your eyes off what's happening on the screen. Yeah. I mean, he's obvious queer aesthetic, right? I mean, for sure. There's drag elements here. There's androgyny here. There's, there's lots of stuff going on here. And I can't work out. You'd think something so strong. You could work out what the song is about. I can't. The first line of the song, translated, it's in Portuguese, but translated, it's the aristocratic thesis already stinks. That's thesis, not feces. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just be clear. There's, it's not that queer. Um, so... I am doing a very, very deep dive into the lyrics here. It's a complete my interpretation. The only thing I can really grab at is that maybe it's some kind of political commentary on being queer and kind of like being accepted, but from the place that you come from rather than when you're going. It's hard to read. That's the only thing I can get from it. But God, that's my only slight negative is that I'm a bit confused by it, but this, the musically, I just love it. I love listening to this. Absolutely. I can't put my fingers on the lyrics either. There's something quite enigmatic about them. And even perhaps quite mercurial mm. about the lyrics. Um, you just can't quite pin them down. But there's something about the lyrics which is so evocative of a mood. And that's what you tune into. Even though you don't understand them... A, because they're in a foreign language, and B, because when we translated them, they still don't make sense. <laughs> you connect with the whole mood of the piece. There's something beautiful about the music in this, for me. And it's so unexpected. It's hugely, hugely original. But I'm just not sure what mood it is actually conveying. Yeah, so that before, with the rebellion blasted mechanism that I just spoke about, I don't understand what the song's about... That left me sort of confused and I didn't like it. Whereas this, this nebulous quality of not quite sure what it is, but it, it fills me with this feeling. Yeah, you, yeah, you've absolutely nailed it. That's exactly what it is. It's a mood. It makes you feel something. You don't quite understand what, but you like it. So song four we're going to talk about now is by Jimmy P and it's Abensonado. E pensa em nós a falar no assédio Há uns anos atrás dentro do carro À porta do meu prédio a falar Do dinheiro e dessa fama passageira Mas hoje somos homens, sabemos que isso é poeira yeah. Tão ingênuo e tão iludido Mas talvez Deus me tenha ouvido Hoje eu só quero é passar despercebido Ter princípios, ser bom pai, ser um bom marido Eu já dei tudo a quem nunca me deu troco Mas aprendi a ser agradecido Mesmo tendo pouco E diz-me os meus valores quando desprezam aqui Se eu precisar diz-me quando... Well, we were talking about a song creating a mood in the last song and this creates a mood as well. This is a rap song um, and he's backed by a gospel five-piece choir and it's stunning this absolutely stunning presentation he's rapping the gospel choir come in and it's just a really delicious blend sonically it's the kind of thing that you really get a sense of there's a story being told within the lyrics and obviously i think this is 
perhaps something which resonated with the Portuguese audience with this, um, because it did do very well. It came forth. And I don't think it's necessarily the kind of song that a lot of your typical Eurofans would have necessarily connected to. So I think this is an interesting thing where you're watching as a foreign fan of Eurovision and it's actually being, you know, broadcast for and voted on by the Portuguese people as their own festival. But it, you, having a look at the lyrics, there's a lot. There's a lot in here about it's. A, there's a sense of atonement yeah. within the song. Um, he's reflecting back on sort of earlier misdemeanors and earlier parts of his life. Um, you know, naive arguments, looking back on friendships, but ultimately finding salvation in the music he's making and the response it evokes in other people, um, and that gives him this sense. For me, there's something here which is reminiscent of. The, the kind of music that Stormzy's making, you know, when he's got, um, you've got tracks like Blinded by Your Grace and you've got tracks like Crown that are blending a more choral style with rap music and just, I mean, it's so on the money for contemporaryness and I think that's exactly what resonates with this song. It's the kind of song that is, you know, doing great guns in the charts across the world and this is a Portuguese take on it. I love it. Yeah, this is straight out of the Portuguese charts. It's so contemporary. I, I think the reason why you, you're, you've nailed it when you said about like that Stormzy thing, I had this down. This is very Macklemore. Mm, it's yeah. very much like a softer approach to rap, this honesty. This is why it did well, because the Portuguese would have understood the lyrics, obviously, as they were said live, and connected with him because it's so honest. You're right, it's absolutely atonement. It's absolutely, you know, at one point he sort of apologies, speaks of apologies to his mum for the bad things and that uh, not taking responsibility for it's him, non, you know, and he blamed the world. It's just this real honest sort of confession and atonement. And I, I love that. And it wasn't done in a, in a sort of disingenuous way. It really felt like this outpouring of like, he, you could see it on his face. He was rapping with intent, really believed him. He looked great. The staging was simple, the backing people, just everything. This was very well staged, good song, and I kind of really love this. Me too. So song five for us is a song by Judas, and it's called Cubismo Envisado. Skewed Cubism is the title mm. there. Now, Matt, I don't know what you were expecting when we cut to the start of the song and you could see the artist sort of shielded by the light um, at the back of the stage. But when he walked into the spotlight, a skin-tight silver lame katsu was not quite what I was anticipating on stage. It wasn't high on my list, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's a... I don't know how to explain this. It's contemporary dance. And when I say contemporary dance, I mean like the expressive dance that you get, you know, I don't know, you see at university, you know, degree shows. I Contemporary dance with a queer flourishment is what I would say. 
there's 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 something here which um i don't know what he's trying to say but i know he's trying to say something um the 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 suit the suit is a bit obvious it's a bit you know okay i can see people like michelle visage from you know drag race reading this because it's just generic the, the the chorus is quite repetitive it feels like the sort of entry that you'll get like in a Lithuanian or Belarusian heat and wouldn't get through. It's very earnest, but without enough to back it up. That's all I can really say about it. It's weird. There's something about the choreography. It's quite vigorous choreography at times. And I think you're right. I am very drawn to the queer aesthetic of that contemporary um, dancing that's there in the show. I have to say this... The performance of it, the singing is a bit flat um, and it lacks energy despite everything that's going on on stage. It is quite remarkable though. You mentioned the lyrics and the repetitive chorus. I just want to read some of the lyrics out. The first verse and the chorus. So it says, and this is, the, this is translated by Google. If the fingers of this hand, which are mine, are wider than the space between yours, and if you want answers to your whys, I am much more than the way you see me. Do you see it or not? 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 Well, I'm sorry, Judas, but I don't. I really don't see it. But I really enjoyed watching you. Yeah, I mean, you could see something going left and right as he was dancing around <laughs> I, <don't. laughs> I did see it yes those uh, those got those outfits are, are, are quite snug um yeah it, it is a bit repetitive because that eight times repeating do you see it or not is then repeated 24 times uh from the second course to the yeah. fade out the song so it's not great but there's just something in the individual here that's just so Oh, so nice. Totally click the link and watch this performance. It's definitely worth your time. Fabulous. So that's our five songs that we've selected to highlight. We are just going to mention an honourable mention to one more. And it is called Agora and it's by Jazz. That's Jazz with a double J. Jazz. You really need to see this to believe it. Um, it's a, a male-female duo. Um, she's an underconfident girl in a ball ground, and he's an overconfident boy in a jacket that's made from the same material as the ball gown. Uh, and with red trousers, I have to say the material is so ugly that even Julie Andrews would have sent it back. <laughs> <laughs> she would never have made play clothes for the Von Chap family out of this. It's really awful. He's just an interesting look to him. He's got some two-toned hair, blonde and dark. Um, he's got a septum piercing, very, very contemporary. Um, and he sings into a megaphone at one point. But it's just, it's so out of tune and so incongruent with the visual that, and the whole tune is a bit mournful in itself, I have to say. There's a lyric in it um, which says, and yes, says the bureau, we are far from the end. And I think, well, yes, unfortunately you are. There's still half a song to go at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Although, not so bonkers that it didn't get a vote from someone in the second Cherry team. This is true. Yes. This got a vote. This got a vote. But what about team? So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our five songs and our little bonus song for you there, Agora. 
and jazz. Now, what time is it, Matt? It's time for this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. Yes, you know by now this is our segment that likes to spread positivity in a world which, quite frankly, is shit. So... (laughs) (laughs) And actually, this week, I am very proud to talk about... Now, you say it, Monty. What's our good thing of the week that is good? It is the new single by Anna Bergendahl called Thelma and Louise. I know one day they will put us those six feet below the ground And by then all that is left are memories So let's give them one hell of a story Put your foot right on the gun And they can call us Thelma and Louise Now Monty, we wanted to play this and sort of highlight this because, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit I love Anna Bergendahl. Of course, she's been you know as you will know now by now she's been our cherry last year. She's this year's sweetest cherry. But I've always felt like she's not really any contemporary. She's not really. She's a bit. I've always felt like I like her, but she's not quite. Mm. I'm sorry. She's just punched me in the face and told me that I'm wrong with this song. This is absolutely contemporary. It just makes me feel like I've got all my friends in the car, Thelma and Louise, you know, we all know the, the film. Those that have seen it knows what happens and the sort of like the, the way the story goes. It makes me want to be in that film, in the car with my friends, just driving along, zero fucks given, just having fun. And just, yeah, I... This is a fucking good song. <laughs> and actually, I wonder whether it was up for some, like for consideration for Melfest this year and they went for Kingdom Come. This is the sort of... Because you do that. You have a number of songs. The ones that don't get picked, you sort of keep in your pocket. And then when the dust has settled, then you release them. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether this was a an option. It may be. There is something quite joyful about this. I'm, I wonder about the contemporariness of it because it's... It's got its roots in country and western, which, which is yeah. not contemporary sound, but is a sound that I absolutely love. Mm. And I think, you know, when I hear it in artists like Dolly Parton, who is so underrated as a songwriter, and when I hear it in tracks like um, Kylie's What a Girl Dancing and, you know, how it peppered through that album, um, it reminds me of how much I really love country influence songs the um, thing is country's the sort of thing that you don't necessarily if you're not into it you're not into it but when country is good when it really gets at your heartstrings like country can like anything oh god it's good it's fantastic I'm minded of the drag queen Tina C who was a country western singer who used to say I like both kinds of music I like country and western <laughs> <laughs> but this is just it's a delight it's mm-hmm. an absolute delight and that's why Anna Bergendahl is our Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Monty, it's high time we revealed what is our Portuguese cherry this year. Well, it is Jubera Amarelo do Sul by Felipe Sambado. Ooh, yay! The yellow gerbera of the south is the... the Translation of it. Yeah, I mean, how much more 
Portuguese could you get in that? It's fabulous. Yeah, I think this was pretty much nailed on to win. I thought I thought we were going to pick this when we started chatting about it, and it was right. We did. I think it, I don't know. I think maybe the queer aesthetic, the weirdness of it, the fact that I think it 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 ticked ticked boxes that we didn't think we needed to tick in. For me, it was the most unique song in yeah, the Portuguese exactly. final. In a final, I have to say, of really good quality. I listened to these songs a lot when they first came out, and there was a lot to reward you for listening to them. Uh, not necessarily songs that were going to be great competitive songs, but lovely songs. There's a really, really nice selection. If, you, if you're not that familiar with this year's Festival de Cancel song, go back and have a listen. It was a really, really good year. So I tell you what, let's just have a little listen to that now, again. Tanta candura delirio, tuas palavras meu martirio, gibera amarela do sul. Eu mesmo a ser de qualquer laia, e só com roupa de ir para a praia, fazem de mim pitaia para chegar. And so there you go. There is our Portuguese cherry. And so that leaves us to ask you guys to contact us. Yeah, get in touch. Because as you've already seen, we read it out. Mm. I'm, I'm Like, respond to us. Also, you guys that have, like, let's start a conversation. Let's go back and forth. I don't know. Absolutely. And now that we've emptied our sacks for another yeah. week, we need <laughs> refilling. <laughs> it's kind of part of the reason why we had a really good week this week. But anyway... The- <laughs> our socials are on Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram Second Underscore Cherry, Facebook Second Cherry Podcast, and Monty. If someone wants to email us, like everyone else has, hello at secondcherry.vision. That is hello at secondcherry.vision. I was waiting for you to do it then. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, what a good episode. I quite like them songs. It, made, it kind songs. of really brought me back to, yeah, I want, yeah. To, go, I want to go to Lisbon now. Oh, I'm in the mood. Actually, we're recording this on the day that Lisbon's just been removed from the quarantine list. So. Fate, Monty. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Trey, what is it called? Trey Bear Bar in Tres, Lisbon? Trez. Trez yeah. Bear Bar. Yeah, there's a few little places I like to hang out in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Probably my favourite city in Europe, actually. <gasps> so, maybe... A little tripette. Little bijou tripette. Little tripzinho (laughs) to Lisboa is on the cards. Well, I tell you what, if not, then you bloody well better win Eurovision again soon, Portugal, because we're there. Absolutely. Get us back there soon. Right. So we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. We don't know what country yet, but we're going to bring it to you next week anyway. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye.